Well, we're kicking off our series of Vintage Christmas. Do you remember what Christmas was like as a kid? Man, like when you were a kid, like the pressure, it just didn't feel like it was there. Like really the, the things that, that you remember. I remember, um, I'm not super old, but I remember getting the catalog and I remember getting the JCPenney catalog and I'd, I'd go through the JCPenney catalog and circle some things. Now my kids just get on Amazon, uh, cruise, put it in the cart and just hope that we accidentally click buy now. And uh, I think that's what they're... Uh, they're after, but, but th- man, there was just something about being uh, a kid. I remember when I was a kid, and I've shared this, I think, before, I was scared of Santa, and so I'd sleep in the floor of my, my sister's room, but man, things were, things were good when you were a kid. I, I was talking to my staff. Uh, I want to show you a picture real quick. I was, I was talking to him. Yeah, that's Greg. That's our worship pastor, and uh, we were talking, and I was like, man, I'd love to see some pictures, and so my chance to embarrass him. So this one, and I love this one, this next one. I don't know if you can see that real good. I don't know if that's a Hulk DVD or a game, a VHS, a uh, little vintage. Uh, but man, there's just, man, there was just something about Christmas when you were a kid. Because if you're not a kid anymore and you're in here, you understand now that Christmas feels like it gets busier and more hectic every year. Like I thought I was ahead of the game and I put up my Christmas lights uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I was feeling good about it. Um, I have 20 light bulbs out in my, on my Christmas, uh, Christmas lights on my house. Not, I did have 20. I still have 20 lights out on my, my house. I'm just like, I don't even have the time to go get more and get up on my, my house. Like, you, you want to create traditions with your family, but then you're like, man, when are we going to squeeze in these traditions that we want to do? We have an advent calendar, and my kids will go, and they're like, oh, there's nothing in the advent calendar. And we're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we were doing this today, and it just feels like it's just busier and busier and hectic every year. Maybe you've even said the phrase, I just got to get through the holidays, right? Life's crazy. I just got to make it through the holidays, and then everything's going to slow down. Everything's going to be okay. And for many of you, this is going to be a tough Christmas because it's going to be the first Christmas. Right? It's going to be that first Christmas that life looks different for you, whatever reason that might be. And so it's going to be difficult. And so for you, you are at that point. You're like, I just got to get through the holidays. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to be missing that person who won't be at, a, at, the, at the table. I'm not going to visit them at their house. And it's going to be difficult. And so in the midst of all of that, in the midst of the, the busyness and feeling hectic and lost, I still think there's this piece of us that's like, okay, I'm, I'm still clinging to some hope. I'm still clinging to some peace. I'm trying to find some joy. Like there's something in us that's like, man, I, I think it's still there that we want to experience that in our, our life. Well, what's interesting is in some research that's been done, nine out of 10 Americans say they celebrate Christmas. We know that nine out of 10 uh, Americans would not say they're even religious or Christians. Uh, I was even doing some research, and 160 of the almost 200 countries officially recognize Christmas as a holiday. And this is fascinating to me that something happened 2,000 years ago in, in this tiny Middle Eastern community that has totally changed our world. It's changed things. And so my hope is in the midst of all those things, we can get back to the original Christmas story. Like we can just get back to to what happened then and and what it means for us now. And so this is this idea of this vintage Christmas, this making the old 
new again. My, my wife and I love vintage stuff. We love going to antique malls and, and finding that thing that doesn't have to be even improved upon. Right? You just find something and you're like, oh, this is perfect. We know exactly where that's going to go. It has this worth to it already. Someone has already said there is value to that and they've held on to it for a long time. And they know that other people are going to see that as well. Whether it's in my kids' old phones, uh, pay phone, like when they see a pay phone, they're like, what is, what is that? All right, uh, uh, cameras, they're, they're fascinated by old cameras. I can remember as a kid when I'd wake up for Christmas, my dad would have to put film in and he'd have to roll the film and make sure it's ready. And then it was just, you just hoped that the pictures weren't blurry, there wasn't a finger in the way, like... That, that has changed, but man, old cameras, I don't know if you've seen this, but, but they're coming back. People like to shoot actual film. Again, there's this value that someone has given to it. Or record players, I don't know if you know this, but, but bands now are releasing records, right? That there is something to these things. There is a value that has been given to it. It has stood the test of time. And my thought as we think about Christmas is it's, it's true about Christmas, it has stood the test of time. There is value in the story of, we don't have to add to it, right? Even, even as I've thought about this, I'm like, let's be creative with this, this series. And what I'm like, let's just go back to the story. Let, let's just go back to the beginning and, and, and the response of the, the people who were involved. Let, let's just go back to that. And so I think if we can get our hands around that in this season, again, for many of us, for some of you, maybe for the first time, that, that I think it could change our lives. I really do. I don't, I don't say that lightly. If you've been around this place, I don't say that all the time, but I really think over these next few weeks, if we could get a clear picture of the story of Christmas, then maybe it could change some things in our life. And so we're going to look at Luke 1, uh, 26 through 38. If you uh, don't have a Bible, there's a red uh, hardback Bible around you somewhere. We'd love to give that to you. If you are going to use that, I don't think the page number got, got put up here. Um, it's actually page 1012, so 1012 if you want to look at that. Today we're going to look at the story of Mary and, and her response and finding out uh, that her life is forever going to look different, Right? How does she respond and, and what does that look like? So in Luke 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of God forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the, level, the, the angel left her. So I want to point just a few things out, and then I want to give us kind of three things that I think we can apply uh, to our own lives from this, this story. Uh, the first one, why, why is Mary afraid? 
right? That there's some obvious answers. And, and as we think about this, there's some fears in our life that, that are obvious. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard of this, but, but there's this swing. It's a canyon swing. They actually call it the chair of death. Like, that's enough for me to say no thanks, right? Uh, but it is 350 feet high. And you sit in a plastic chair backwards, and they slowly let you down and then bring you back up and, and start to tip you and bring you back up. Like, you can watch these videos of these people doing this. And, I, and I've told my, my wife, I sit and my anxiety just takes... I'm in the comfort of my uh, office in a chair in my house, and I see this video, and there's this anxiety. Nope, I'm not, I'm not doing it, right? It is a 200-foot free fall before making this swing. And some of you are like, I'll go do it today. But for me, I don't think that's that crazy of a fear, all right? Uh, a few years ago, there was a guy who created this suit, and there was this special. He was going to be swallowed by an anaconda. I don't know if anyone saw this, uh, read about this. Uh, he got into it, and he got squeezed by the anaconda, and he tapped out, and they came in and, and rescued him from this. That is a no thanks, right? There are these things that are obvious fears. And so for us, we're like, well, of course she's afraid. There is an angel. There is someone coming and speaking. And so here, here's what we have to see also in this story. The angel that we often think of is not really probably what this angel would have looked like. Right? The angels that we think about, the, the little chubby angel uh, sitting on a cloud, playing an instrument, like that's not the case. Like in Daniel 10, it says this, that his face, speaking of an angel, his face was like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of the multitude. Right? So this is the angel that is speaking to Mary. There's going to be fear. And what's interesting, in the, the Christmas story, that is something that is said multiple times. Do not be afraid. Fear not. So we see the obvious part of, of her fear, but I actually think there's a lot more going on for Mary here. Like, I don't think the fear is just what she has seen, but what she has heard. So the, the greeting that she hears is, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What the angel is saying is, you who are accepted, you who is being pursued by God's grace, you who are blessed, God is with you right now. And for Mary, I get this picture that, that there's some things going on in her life where she begins to wonder, how could this be for me? Like, like I wonder if this angel has the wrong address, right? Is, is this angel at the right place speaking to the right person? And she wonders, what is this going to look like for me? What does it mean for God's favor to be on me? How would you respond? And actually the question is, how do you respond? How do you respond when you hear me speak about God's love for you? How do you feel when we talk about how God has a purpose and a plan for your life? Like is this, this wonder and fear like, does he know my past? Does he know the mistakes that I've made? Does he know what my life looks like right now? How could this be the message that God has for me and for my life? I mean, we begin to automatically wonder the things that would disqualify us from that message. That God's favor could actually be on us. That God could be pursuing 
us, that God could accept us. Who am I? And see, this is a beautiful picture of God's grace. God's grace that says that you don't have to be good enough, right? We talked about this last week, that it's okay not to be okay. But how do you respond to the idea and the message of God's favor being on you? Because I think for Mary, she might be afraid just simply because of that. And that God is with her. And then the angel drops uh, the real uh, message, right? That, that she's going to have a baby, right? And not just any baby, uh, that you're going to name him Jesus. Uh, in the, the Gospel of Matthew, when, when the angel is talking to Joseph, he says that you're going to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins, right? Not just any baby, but he's going to be great. He's going to be the son of the most high, that his kingdom will never end. I mean, that's a lot to take on, right? That's a lot for Mary to hear that she's going to be pregnant, and not just that she's going to be pregnant, but this is who she's pregnant with. And then the message, or the question comes out, well, how? Right? There's some doubt that, that comes uh, with, with this message that's coming to Mary. Mary begins to wonder, well, how is this going to be? Right? This is an obvious doubt. So we have these obvious fears and we have these obvious doubts. And Mary immediately says, wait, I don't know how this will happen. I, I don't have a husband. I've never been with a man. Uh, great if this happens, but, but just tell me how. I don't, I don't get it. So Mary has some doubt in this moment, but I, but I don't think it just comes from disbelief. If we, if we look at it, it comes more from, okay, I believe you, but can you just connect some dots for me? I don't really know how this is going to be happening. Earlier in chapter one, uh, we, we see that Zechariah, uh, his wife, Elizabeth, is going to be pregnant. They're old, they're barren. And so the message comes that she's going to have a baby as well. And, and his response to this is, now how can I be sure of this? Right? Not that I believe it, but could you just fill in some of the, the loose pieces for me? It's how can I really be sure of this? And for him, his doubt comes out of disbelief. Right? His past, his, his situation, it's like, there, there's no way. He basically is saying, you got to prove it to me. And so the angel of Zechariah makes him unable to speak. Makes him unable to speak. And so as we begin to think of some doubt, and I'll talk more about this in a, in a moment, I feel like the doubt that Mary has is this doubt that says, I believe, I just don't know how. I believe what you're telling me, I just don't see how it's going to work out. These are honest doubts that are open to belief. And so in the midst of all that, I think there's a couple things that we can take. Uh, that we can apply to our own lives. And so the first one is, I think we have to welcome the favor of God in our lives. Like we have to pursue it. We have to seek it. We have to want it for us. Mary seems to question if this could be true, that this favor or blessing of God is on her. She hears the news that she's going to be pregnant. And, and there is this fear and doubt. And so let me connect a few dots for you for, for Mary. And some of you may know this already. This won't be, this won't be new. Uh, Mary is a teenager when she gets this message, right? She is not only a teenager, but she's an unwed teenager. And, and now she is going to have a baby. And so not only is she going to have to answer those questions, uh, not only is it something that was maybe just frowned upon, but it was actually punishable. 
And so you have this young teen who this angel comes and says, hey, God's blessing is on you and you're going to be pregnant. And she's thinking, I'm going to have to pay a price for this. Uh, Not only is she going to have to do that, but she has to tell Joseph, can you imagine? Right? Can can you just imagine what that conversation would would look like? Uh, Joseph, I hope you believe me. I'm pregnant. There is nobody else. Right? Joseph in the story says, uh, okay, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to step away quietly. Right? So so Mary now has this idea of I'm going to have a baby and I also may now be alone. That Joseph, there's no way Joseph is going to believe me. Joseph is going to walk away from me. She's already poor. We know she comes from a place of kind of poverty, and we see that later in the Christmas story. So so not only is she poor, but now she's going to be pregnant and poor and alone. Mary had this vision of what her life could look like. Financial struggles, a ruined reputation, and possibly broken relationships, and losing who she thought was her future husband. Anyone want to sign up for that? Right? We're, not, we're not asking for that. Mary didn't ask for this. But the favor of God is on her. That the angel doesn't come and say, hey, you're going to have a baby, but, but, but favor is there. It's the favor of God is on you. The blessing of God is on you. He is with you. And then the story, as you continue to read, it says Mary rejoices. Mary actually breaks into song because of this. That she understood now that the favor of God being on here was better than anything she could imagine. Any trial, any difficult thing that was going to come her way, because the favor of God was with her, she could make it through anything. Why? She believes. She doubts and doesn't know how it's going to work, but she believes that she believes that God is with her, that nothing is impossible with God that she believes it's going to be worth it because God is in it. She believes that in her pain, that there is going to be peace that comes. That in her pain, in the difficulties, that there could still be some peace that comes, not only in her life, but as she hears the message for the life of the world. Our lives don't always go by what we want them to, to go by, and they, they don't always work out, Right? Uh, we at our, our kids' school over the last two and a half years, we've been collecting money for a, a playground. We've been doing fundraising. We've been doing everything we needed to do to replace this playground from the early 70s. Uh, my son would come home and he'd have scratches on his chest where he had gone down the slide and there were some like broken pieces. And so we worked really hard over the last two and a half years and we got a grant and we bought this playground. Uh, the playground was delivered a few weeks ago and we had yesterday set up and, and, and plan to set this playground up. I had seven or eight guys from the St. Louis uh, Iron Workers Union who was going to be there to help me set this up. Uh, we had to pay a significant amount of money for a supervisor to come up from Arkansas to supervise the install. So I'm excited. Uh, some, some guys from the, the school community are going to be there to help, and, and we get there, and we get to working, and the supervisor goes and walks onto the site and says, oh, no, 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 we can't put this in here. Oh, well, well, yeah, we are. We're going to put it in here. Uh, so why are you saying we can't put it in here? Well, there's too much mulch. Well, what happened was someone else was supposed to get rid of the mulch for us. And they didn't do it. And so I have a tool that, that was going to dig some holes. It was a, a, a pretty good-sized tool, but it, it can't clear the mulch. And so I immediately get on the phone, and I find a bobcat. 
So I've already spent money on this one tool and now I'm going to spend money on a Bobcat. And so I go to Handyman and I get this Bobcat and I come back and 15, 30 seconds into the Bobcat, into the mulch, it gets stuck. So the guy gets out and he's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. I'm like, it has to work, right? Like this was my plan. My plan was, and the kids know that this is going to be up on Monday. So I get on my, my phone again and I find another Bobcat. So now I have two tools sitting there, neither one of them to do the job. I find another tool, another bobcat that's not wheels and it's on a, a track. And so I drive to get it and I walk in and they're like, oh, the guys just canceled the order for you. They said it's not going to work. So I make the drive back to the school and they're packing up the playground, right? And, and for me, and it's such a simple thing, but I ran around all morning and people are expecting it. The kids are expecting it to be up Monday morning. And, and for me, I was like, this was not how it was supposed to go. This is not the picture. And I told the guy, I was like, I thought it was going to go much different today. And I think often in our lives, we get to a point and we think, man, I don't know how I got here. This was not the plan for my life. Man, I looked at my future and I looked at five years, 10 years, 15 years, and I thought life was going to look much different. I promise Mary, as a teenager, she was planning the wedding. She knew what the rituals were going to look like. She knew she was going to be marrying Joseph. And in a blink of an eye, all of that changed. It all changed. And it changed her life. And it changed the lives of everyone else. And Mary rejoices. I did not. I did not rejoice at the end of the day. But for Mary, she just felt God is in this. God is in this. This isn't what I wanted, this isn't what I planned but God is in this. And so I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what your current pain is. Uh, I, I'm not saying that God has made that happen or ordained it, or, um, but what I am saying is God is with you. I believe that God is with you in the midst of job struggles or financial difficulties, relational brokenness, sickness for you or for someone else. I think God could be in the midst of those things that you hadn't planned on being there, but maybe God could still be doing something. So what we need in the midst of that is this hope, a hope that says we're not stuck, a hope that says relationships can be healed and reconciled, hope that miracles can still happen, that he's going to come through for us, a hope that still brings life out of pain and hardships. Could we get back to that point that just says, man, in the midst of what's going on right now, I need God's favor. I need to believe that the grace of God is still on me. And in the midst of that, so the, the first thing we do is we just welcome this favor of God and believe that it's in our life. And then the second thing is we doubt with faith, right? We, we've been pretty open about this and saying it's okay to struggle. It's okay to doubt. It's all right to not have it all figured out, that we have these doubts, that the story of Jesus' birth, it takes some faith. Can we just be honest about that? That, that maybe you are new to church and you've heard this story and you're like, I don't know if I can believe that. It takes some faith to believe this story. But I think we can have some faith in the midst of our doubts. I think there's a couple reasons people lose their faith or walk away from, from God. I think one of those is pain, that we experience loss. We ask the question, how could God or why would God? And, and in the midst of that, it kind of pushes us away from, from our faith. It pushes us away from God. It pushes us away from community of being a part of the, the church. But I think doubt's another. 
And I think the church has often done a poor job of saying, it's okay to doubt, and here's what we do with our doubt. Mary doubts, how could this be? And she hears the, the answer, and in hearing the answer, she has this faith. Like there's a guy named Thomas who was a disciple of Jesus, and, and Thomas had walked with Jesus. He had watched the miracles of Jesus. Uh, Jesus goes to a cross. He, he dies, and he comes back. And, and, and Jesus had approached several groups of people. And so the message gets back to Thomas. Jesus is alive. And Thomas is like, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't know if I can believe. Right? Thomas doubts. He's actually got that name, Doubting Thomas. Right? That's what he's forever known as, Doubting Thomas. But, but I'd like to change that. Maybe it's doubting with faith, Thomas. Because in the midst of that, it's not that he walks away from it. We know he spends days with the disciples. He doesn't abandon it and, and go do something else. He says, I got to see it for myself. Like, I'm going to put my finger in the hole in his side, and I want to see the nails. I want to see where they had been. So for Thomas, he doubts, but he also has faith in the midst of his doubts. So in this season of, of Christmas, in, in the idea of following Jesus, Maybe you have some doubts. Maybe you don't know how God's going to work things out in your life. But maybe you could just begin to be open. You could just begin to have some faith that says, I don't know how this is going to work, but I want to begin to trust in God. And then maybe for some of us, uh, maybe we need to begin to make some room for others to doubt. Right? That, that maybe we can create space for others to have questions. Maybe this is your kids. Maybe this is a spouse. That, that maybe what, what is needed more than anything is mercy and patience. Maybe it's you being a conduit of God's grace and love into their lives. Maybe you have doubt and they, you think they're never going to believe their lives will never look different. But maybe in the midst of that, you can begin to have some faith and trust in God. So we understand the favor of God. We begin to doubt with some faith. And then the final thing is we surrender. We surrender. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, one of the things I hated that my dad did is he would sit on my chest and he'd pin my arms next to my side and he would poke my chest. I don't know if this has ever happened to you or if you have the joy of doing that to your child. Um, but uh, but he, used to, he used to do that and I would fight and you know, the, the game of calling uncle or if he ever felt like I was at the point of pain or, or needing to give in, he, he, would, he would let up. But there was something in me, right? There was something in me as a little kid who felt like I could fight out of it. Like I didn't want to surrender. I didn't want to give in. I think this might be one of the most difficult things for us to do. I think it's, even if you're a follower of Jesus right now, I think at times it's difficult to fully surrender. To fully say, all right, God, I want to give you my life. My relationships, my job, my money, my time, everything I have is yours. I want to surrender everything to you. That This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It means to fully surrender. It means to give our lives completely over to him. As I said before, I promise this wasn't in Mary's plans. I, there's no, at least from the account, there's no negotiation. Like Mary doesn't offer up another plan. I know this is what God wants, uh, but, but could you take this back to him and see if this would work? Right? There's none of that. 
Mary asks how this is going to be. She hears the answer. And at the end of this, at the end of this, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. What she's saying in that moment is, I fully surrender. Whatever God wants of me, whatever God asks of me, I will do. And then she says these three words, may it be. May it be. It's this affirmation in Mary's life that she is giving herself completely over to Jesus. That she doesn't allow her fear or her doubt or her pain or the unknown keep her from following the path God's taking her down. I think this is a great picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I know for many of you, especially if you're asking God, if you're seeking God and you're asking him what's next for your life and whether it's where to go to college or what degree to take or maybe it's not the right job or you're wanting to get married or is now the time to have kids or, or how do I pursue reconciliation or what does it look like for me to give back to my community? There, there's all these questions and there's this availability that you may have to God, but then what happens when God speaks? And it may not be audibly. Uh, it may be through reading scripture. It might be through prayer. It might be sitting in a service like this, but what happens when you feel God nudging you that way? Do we push back? Do we say, oh, not right now. In the future, that's maybe something that I'll do. I really think this is the right job. I know God wants me to do something different, but, but I'm going to take this. Like, what would it look like for us just to say, all right, God, may it be. I'm your servant, and I give myself completely to you. Uh, four questions I want you to wrestle with this week. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this. If you want to take notes, uh, I'm also going to send these out, and I'll do this over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I want you to just to find some time to slow down, uh, whether it's with your family or as an individual, uh, just, to, just to slow down a little bit and begin to, to wrestle with these questions. Uh, the first one is, how do you know that you have found the favor of God? How do you know? If we were to sit knee to knee in my office and I said, have you found God's favor? Is God's grace on you? Have you accepted that? How would you answer that? Do you know that you're loved, that you're forgiven, that you have purpose, that God's presence is with you? How do you know that? The second, what pain in your life is acting like a barrier and a, not a conduit for God's grace and goodness? What pain in your life is acting like a barrier and not a conduit for God's grace and goodness? This pain that Mary was going to go through was a conduit for what God was wanting to do. The third thing, are your doubts keeping you from God or leading you to him? Right, this is the difference. We're going to doubt. We're going to all doubt. What do you do with them? Does it push you away? Or does it lead you to him? And then the final thing, where in your life are you not surrendering? Where are you not saying, may it be? Greg's going to come up and, and close this. In the season of, of things being hectic and of chaos, what if we could find God's favor? Maybe again. Maybe we've lost it. Maybe, maybe the story of, of Christmas is has become something else. What if we just get back to the original story? And as Mary did, she found God's favor. She wrestled with the doubts and in the end said, may it be. Would you stand as I pray and we sing this together?
God, I'm thankful for your favor in my own life, that you, the grace that you showed me as a, a teenage boy and that you still show me daily. God, I'm so thankful that you're a God of patience, that you give us peace in the midst of our pain, and then that you use us. God, I pray that we would be a people, that we would be a church who is always saying, I'm your servant. Whatever you ask of me, may it be. May we all be conduits of your grace, God. No matter what is going on in our life, maybe we don't understand. But Lord, we pray that you would use us. Pray this in Jesus' name.